welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Mortz, and I am joined by Twitter's favourite, uh, Big Head, Bigger, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'm with Southo Dan. How are you, buddy? Terry, I'm feeling very good, mate. How about yourself? A very clean shaven Terry, too, I must say. I'm knackered. That, uh, that whole uh, holiday that we went on uh, turned into a disaster. That's no good, mate. I heard you went back in time, literally time-travelled. We did, and then uh, then we eventually flew back into the future. But, um, yeah, what went for five days ended up being a, a bit over a week away from home thanks to some arsehole that lit a fire. Not good, mate. Not good at all. <laughs> well, um, no, well welcome was, uh, back. Someone told me... It was- Someone told me it was just, it was as scorching as a Matt Moylan performance in the semi final against Penrith, but that, I wasn't here to see it. That sounds ridiculously hot, mate. I um I I've got the t shirt. I I've got it. Speaking speaking of, mate, ter- I hear we've got a very special guest today, Terry. Very special we guest. Do. We have a we have we have a great guest lined up for you. It's uh, everyone's favourite uh, Penrith fan, but probably the third best Josh on Twitter. We have Josh Robber. How are you, buddy? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I, I heard a rumour, Josh. Now, we record this on like my $2 phone, and um, right now Terry and I are both dressed to the hilt, and I heard a rumour, Josh, that you are very naked right now, and I wouldn't blame you. Well, that's not right, so... Yeah, look, Dan and I uh, always video call each other, but Josh hasn't put the camera on because he's definitely naked. Exactly right. I'm not, it's just the camera's on the wrong side. Ah, yeah, sure, sure. Mine too, mine too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so how do you want to do this, Terry? How do you want to do this? You want to, you want to scorch him or you want to be nice? No, no, we'll, we'll be nice to him to start off with. So uh, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll say I'll save it for the end. I've got two and a half pages of stats that I'm going to hit you with later, Robbo. But we'll um, we'll ease into that. 
So you, um, look, I, I think I had you guys sixth or seventh on zero tackle where I make my serious predictions. Here's a bit of a, a crapshoot. But you guys started two wins from the first 10 games. Surely that, that's not the way to start a rugby league season. That, that's not the way to start. And I don't think anybody expected it to start that way. But if you look, the signs were there in the first trial game when they played Parramatta. They were just terrible and it just never got any better. And it just there was moments of good in that those games, but then they just couldn't do it and just went to sleep and turned off. So you had you guys had uh, Hook uh, uh, Anthony Griffin uh, Anthony Griffin in uh, coaching last year, and he had you guys entrenched in the semi-finals, and you got rid of him for Ivan Cleary. What was your what was your call on? Uh, or, what was your, your thoughts on that decision? Well, I don't know. I I could see why they wanted to do something that could get us consistency because you can't play 40 minutes a season because against the good teams, that catches you out. And, you know, we did it against you guys in the finals to, like last season and it just doesn't work when you get to those big games. And I think... Griffin had qualities, but then there were qualities that weren't the best sort for what we had going on at the time. Do you you, you honestly think that you only signed Ivan to keep Nathan at the club long term? I I think that was a big part part of it. I think he was the selling point of keeping Nathan, essentially. So, I mean... We've seen that the Roosters went after Kyle Flanagan, but they would have easily just have gone after Nathan Cleary for that uh, that Cooper Prong spot. Yeah, well, exactly. I think that Nathan was such um, a prized property for the board that they needed a reason to keep him, and Ivan was that reason. Yeah. So let's let's go let's go into the season. You started off uh, a round one loss to Parramatta, twenty to twelve. Never good losing to your local rivals, uh, especially in a derby as big as Parramatta Penrith. After that round one, what was the what was the fan base like? What were the thoughts going through Penrith at that that moment? Well, it was one of those question marks of what happened because we played Parramatta in a trial two weeks before, and there was really no difference to the game. They, you know, they looked. Slow, undisciplined. You know they were down a ten-two penalty count, which you're not going to win when you're giving teams piggybacks up the field like that. And it's just a sort of okay, what's going on? Because nobody expected it. Okay, uh, you ba- you bounce back with a nice win over Newcastle up in Newey, and then you get flogged by uh, Melbourne. Uh, probably the most indifferent start to a season you could ask for. Yeah, it was. But the thing about the Melbourne game was that for the first 20, 25 minutes, they were right with Melbourne. And if they could actually get across the line, I don't think Melbourne had too many answers for Penrith at that time. Mate. Then, then you, uh, you, beat, you beat the Tigers... Hold on, Dave. You beat the Tigers uh, 9-8 in a game that... You scored a try with about 15 seconds to go and then kicked a penalty goal. 
probably my favourite win of the year because it sent Tigers Twitter into an absolute uh, spiral. And then from there, Dan's already pointed out that you, you lost six in a row and you started the season two from ten. After that point, did you think it was season over, no chance of final football? Well, more or less, yeah, because if you had a look at who we had at the back end of the season, you know, we'd have to pull off some upsets to do it. And the way we were then, without changes, we weren't going to do it. Speaking within that 10-game streak, look, we're going to jump to round six, mainly to make a point. You guys were toweling us up at, at Shark Park, 14-0 up at half-time, and I think it was like 20 to 10 or something with 20 minutes to go, and we scored three tries. That, that for me, I remember writing the day after, you know, on my serious, serious face, that that summed Penrith up. Did, did you feel that also? Like, did you think you were going to beat the Sharks that night? thinking we can win there's, there's very few that I don't think we can win but um, you know at that stage you think okay this has got wrapped up you know games wrapped up uh, you know to do that is just kind of starts making question even more what commitment is actually there and whether they've gone the right way now that that's become a famous or an infamous night because Pre-season, you guys had a pretty handy fullback, a New Zealand international, New Zealand captain in DWZ. But I think it was the 72nd minute, Bronson Zeri snapped his ankles and ended his Penrith career. What would you make of that, Robbo? Good, positive thoughts, I would imagine. Well, to be fair, his season was a bit like that right back from the beginning. He, he was giving away stupid penalties like right through and like there where... Um, I think it was Chad Townsend just ran into Malachi as a boy pushed him. So Dallin came charging in and just shoved him over where there was no need to. And that, that's a big turning point because instead of having the ball 40 metres upfield, you guys went back onto the attack. And I'm pretty sure it scored off that set or the next set. And it was just that kind of dumb play that kind of summed up, was he one of the ones who wanted to be there? Yeah, it was a very, very strange recruitment moves by, by Penrith over the last, or I guess you can call it, 12 months. Um, letting DWZ go mid-season and letting Wonga Blake go. What was the reason behind Wonga Blake? Because he's an electrifying footballer. I honestly don't know. I just saw the rumours and thought, well, this one can't be right, and then turned out it was. So it's still, I hadn't heard anything about why he left. Yeah, because I mean... There was really nothing online leading up to it. There was just a few tweets saying Wonga Blake close to going to Parramatta and everyone thought it was just a piss take and all of a sudden he, he signed there. And, you know, you didn't you didn't hear of any bad blood between him and the coach. He was playing football, he was he was playing good football, he was a very exciting player. You can't well, he can't let the players go. Yeah, he was and even I think it was the week before he went. He was actually interviewed by the ground announcer talking about, oh, when he comes back and how it was all going. So there wasn't even a sign of, in his tone of voice, that, yeah, I'm leaving. So that's where it kind of came out of the blue. It's just strange. After the uh, after the 2-10 and 10, uh, season, it didn't get much better. There's a lot of inconsistent performances. Uh, I believe there was a loss to the Gold Coast Titans, which is uh, something that you can't do as well. Um, were you happy to see the end of the season? Um, yes, because 
essentially we had a patch in the middle where we went on this winning streak and went, okay, this is looking good. And then we just dropped games that we should have won. You know, we, we won six in a row. We beat the Roosters. And then we get to Canberra, which I won't go into that one because, um, yeah. But then, like, the games against the Bulldogs, that that's a must-win game. Should have won. And we just look like we didn't care again. And it's just, you know, it's just surprising that they went from looking good to, yeah, we don't care again in two weeks because they suffered one loss. During that win streak, Robbo, is, I think it was between rounds 11 and 18 and there was a buy in there. You guys went on that win streak and beat some good teams, mainly Parramatta Roosters, Bunnies, you know. They're, they're not bad sides. I did note, take note, though, that that was over the origin period where your um, your number one, number six, Mr. James Maloney, was off on uh, on rep duties. Was that coincidence? Um, well, I think Nathan Cleary was off too, so that um, it's just odd because like that Parramatta game, that game I thought, here we go, how many are we going to lose by? And we come out and win it. I'm like, okay. Then they beat Manly. And and then you beat the Roosters. And yes, it's straight after Origin, but to still beat a side like the Roosters, and you, know, you think, okay, this team could actually go somewhere. And it's just odd because those players were in and out of the team at that time. So I just wonder if there was some sort of um, disruption between the two personalities, whether James Maloney didn't have as much control with um, Cleary, the two Clearys there running the show. We uh, certainly yeah, certainly uh, missed plenty uh, of no, tackles. Interested and, and really didn't seem to build that bond with Ivan Cleary. Is that could that be seen as something you know of concern, or is it something that was that just happened in the season? Ivan was there for his son. I, I think it was probably a bit of both. I don't think James Maloney and Ivan really clicked. But the other thing was, so our best performances probably came when there was either just Cleary or just Maloney, and. I think that was the problem was that they weren't working together as a whole because no one actually knew whose role it was to do anything. And that was, I think, to me, my biggest issue was that they looked like they'd never played together despite having a successful season last year together. Does that come down to coaching or do you think it was the the constant rumours of Maloney looking to go to the ASL and he'd packed up? I think a lot of it had to do with coaching because at the start of the season they were playing on opposite sides to what they had before and um, and it just wasn't working. And when they actually swapped back, it was working well, but they still weren't going either side. They were stuck to their own side. And I think they both work better when they're able to cross the field. Okay, cool. Um, Robert, who's going to be your number six next year? Well, that's what I'd like to know too. It's just an odd choice because I'd say it would be Jerome Luai because he's got the more experience. But um, 
Matt Burden in his one game when we beat you guys at Penrith just looked like he just settled in straight away perfectly. Did, so that was, that was the kid with the headgear, right? Yeah, who's he only told, 18. Yeah, phenomenal. He, he, he tore us to pieces that night. Yeah. Speaking, Again, speaking that of that game... Sorry, I was just going to say, that was another game where we showed how good we can be. And it just, you know, leaves you frustrated. Yeah. Definitely left us frustrated. That that I was going to bring that up, so I'm glad you brought it up. Round 21, you guys beat us 26-20. Now, look, no Matt Moylan. Was that, like, was, was that your, like, tactic to wait till Moylan got injured to beat us for once? Or... Did you just beat us up while we were down our best, most handsome player? Or, like, do you feel like you should give the points back because we couldn't field a full-strength team? Or what's going on there? Um, well, to be fair, we had an 18-year-old, so in the halves, playing his first game. We had, you know, um, just looking at the team list, yeah, there's two, three, four players, five, no, about six players that had all only made their debut this season. So... If anything, we had the worst team out of the two. So, yeah, but we, we were missing the game's best player. This is what we're trying <laughs> to tell you, Robert. Yeah, but if you have a look at our team, you, you still have Sean Johnson, who apparently is the best player. Second best player. Dan, talk. Oh, he was the best when you signed him. <laughs> Second best Never player. Never better than Moylan. Yeah, no. no. Let's, <laughs> let's not say silly things. Um, so that, um, I'm, I'm happy to move on from that game because not much fun came that night. Um, look, I, I, I put that nothing happened between round 21, the last game of the season. So Terry, if you want to jump in here, but you guys smashed Newcastle 54-10, which was hilarious. Thank you for that. In the last round. That was, that was where I was going next. The final game of the season must have been the most frustrating for you because, you go and put 54 on the night to mathematically until four go and kick a field goal could have made the, the playoffs and then, you know, you you go out and absolutely ruin them. So did that just sum up your frustrations that game? Well, it's weird because the frustration for me for that game was the fact that it wasn't so much that we were really good. It was the fact that Newcastle just didn't look like they cared. You know, like there was one run where James Tamo just went straight up two, three guys, and he just broke through where there was no effort. And it was kind of like, is this us being good or them being bad? And I think there was too much emphasis on us scoring the points rather than them being bad, to be to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I, Newcastle were bad that day. They, they honestly looked like they had coughed off. The, the minute they knew that they couldn't get in the finals, it looked like they just didn't want to be there. Yeah, and that, that's kind of how it looked. They were missing tackles and... That's what I said. As much as I love that score, like we couldn't attack for the whole season, we scored 54 points. I th- I think that was more the lack of opposition rather than the actual what we did. And that's, that's not to put a downer on what we did because we did a, a lot of good stuff. But, you know, I think that's just, you've got to put like an asterisk on that is that they were just standing watching players run through the line. More than anything. Josh, what was your best win of the season? I'd probably say either the win against you guys close or when we beat the Warriors over in New Zealand. Um, 
probably the Warriors one because, like, actually, I love Fred Fred, but to have um, players sin being wrongly and then to have the tribe basically on the back of that to put us 10 behind that was also wrong and to come back from that, I think that showed that there's a future of guts in this team, but, you know, and then against you guys again, probably one, that was another time where we had six or seven players who made their debut this year who actually looked like they wanted to be there. And I think that's what was good about the performance. Definitely. Uh, what was your worst loss of the season? I, it's hard to say because there was a few bad ones. Like You don't want to... In the time of the season, probably, I think the Bulldogs one was the worst because we... On such a win streak before we played Canberra, and um, that was a game that we should have won, and we just played terribly. And like this win, and then against the Titans earlier in the year, another one we should have won, but just didn't look like we played well. And that's that's what frustrates me is if you get blown off the park by a good team like the Roosters or like we were against Melbourne, that's fine. But to lose games that you should be winning, that's where I think is the worst losses, essentially. Yeah, cool. Uh, who was your player of the year? Um, probably James Fisher-Harris, because he was probably one of the only few players that would give their 100% every week he played. And was, you could see he was trying to um, break through the line, which our forwards weren't really trying to do. He was trying to get the offloads away. And he was just the only forward, really, other than Kikau, that was trying to create in that first half of the season. Yeah. And who was your most disappointing player of the year? Um, that's a tough one, because there was quite a few. Um, I think... That's, I'd, I'm trying, probably Regan Campbell-Gillard, essentially. Because... He came with such a big price tag and the fact like he's gone to Paramount now shows you that he didn't want to be there. And I think the fact that he got dropped at one stage in the season pretty much proved that he didn't care and he shouldn't have been in the team. He certainly played like uh, it. Yeah, another, another one that I don't understand, you guys signed him for a five-year deal and then flicked him off. Are you happy with that decision, Josh? Um, I wasn't happy with the way they signed him, but the way he played this year, you could tell he didn't want to be here. And I think the fact that he broke his jaw, I think, has made him scared. And I think if Parramatta can get the best out of him, then good for them. But I just don't think he would be right for us with because we've got such a young group and we need the committed players there that will want to you know, go forward and, you know, do the hard yards, and he just wasn't doing that. Okay. It must suck as well, losing the two players that we've talked about, Warren Blake and Regan Campbell-Gillard, to your biggest rival, and watching them strengthen while it honestly looks like you guys are going through a rebuild period now. Well, well it is, because we were supposedly going through a rebuild to the point with this squad that we got, and then it's kind of like we've just said, okay, well, no, you're not actually good enough, so here we go, let's rebuild again. 
And it hurts because, like, all these really good kids we've got, over our history, we know that they'll end up elsewhere because we just don't want to hold on to them. And that's what really frustrates me is that there's been so many really good kids come through, you know, 20s, flake and all that, that we just don't keep because who knows why? Because we have coaches and backroom staff that don't want them and I don't know why. Yeah, I've just I've just got a a, um, a message from Terry Rob. I said that he's on ten percent, so we'll rush through this. Um, I got one question, then I'll hit you with some stats. Toto and Naden were they highlights for you this season? Oh, definitely. Brian's been a player that I've seen um, right through since um, Howard Max and SG Ball, and same as um, Naden, and they were just standouts. Whereas Naden probably struggled towards the back end, but I think it was good for him because he's he had to um, redo his game because he went off to Newcastle on their Mounties and then we re-signed him, and I think that's a good thing because he's been was really good on the centres and gave a wake-up call to Mansour and Fare. Absolutely. I, I think he was a real, real... Um, scored some ripper tries this year, and I rate that Toto kid. I think he's going to be good. Hey, um, once again, we are in a bit of a rush because Terry um, is still back in the 80s. It must be the first thing. So we were going to debate tonight who won the trade, but I'm just looking at the stats. There's no debate to be had. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay these on you. Anything you disagree with, please butt in, um, even though these are facts, not opinions. So here we go. Since the trade, the head-to-head battle... Is Moylan four, Maloney nil. Your only loss came against us, Sands Moylan. In the final series, uh, played final series since the trade, we played two and you guys have played one. Uh, it's also worth noting we knocked you out of the final series you did make. Uh, the prelim finals, Moylan one, Maloney nothing. Soul crushing try assists in a semi final, Moylan one, Maloney zero. Six try assists efforts since the trade. Moylan one, Maloney zero. Games missed due to origin, so this goes to value. Maloney four, Moylan didn't miss a game. Missed tackles in, in 2019. James Maloney, 122. Matt Moylan, 23. And the times that each player left their club in the lurch chasing French cash. Maloney none, Moylan zero. Your rebuttal. Essentially, with those ones, at least James Maloney was on the field because to get those stats, you actually have to be on the field. Um, and that prelim final or the semi-final, I'm just going to put the caveat that we had our worst referee possible and we just lose with him full stop. So wouldn't have mattered who we played that day, we were going to lose. Yeah, but Moylan literally cut Maloney in half. And I, I've got that gif. I was going to post it tonight, but I didn't want to be rude. You can see Sol leave his body as Lewis hits that gap. It's it's genius. Yeah, it was. And you were, you know, good for in that game. And, you know, as I said, if you look at the stats, yes, you guys win the trade. But for what each club needed, it... You know, the trade was about what each club needed rather than stats. Because we would have done a lot worse without someone like Maloney. Because can you imagine a um, Moylan Cleary halves working together? It wouldn't have worked. 
Moylan made a combination with Chad Townsend work, mate. He would have made, uh, he probably would have made Cleary an, an Australian player. An immortal. Away. Yeah, which 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 more? It brings me to my next question. Would you swap Cleary for um or Luai for Chad Townsend? No. Fucking no. every week. Look, Josh. Let me answer that question again. Chad Townsend kicked a field goal that knocked you out of the semi final, and you don't want him in your team. He knows how to win. He knows how to win. Yeah, but um, Jerome Luai has proven himself internationally. For Samoa, so yeah, but Samoa doesn't count. They've, they've got measles. <laughs> no, no, Terry. Well, uh, Josh, I've got five names for you. Let's go. Let's start off. Trent Barrett returning to the club. Is that a good move for Ivan coaching? No, no, good. Let's just finish that. Why don't you like Trent Barrett? Um, it's just shit. It's really. In our 20s time, our only really bad season was with him as coach, and it was this one season we couldn't attack. Okay. Uh, number four, James Maloney. Is he going to be a big loss to you this season, or did, the, did you guys need to go in a new direction? I think he'll be a loss because he had that season head, and he fired up when we needed him to, to take on, like he did against Canberra, against Ashley Klein, when... We couldn't get anything, and we just needed somebody to stand up. And I think we're just going to lack that fire. Fair. Um, your missed tackles will go down, though. That's uh, true. Um, and penalties. Nathan Cleary. Yeah. Nathan Cleary. <laughs> Is there much more improvement in him? If he can have an injury-free season, then I think there's a bit, but not, not a huge amount, no. Well, what, on honest opinion, what do you think the ceiling is, the ceiling is for Nathan? I don't think it's much more than what he's at now, to be perfectly honest. I think he'll always be a good halfback, 5'8", when you need him, but he won't be a controller on his own. I think he'll always need somebody with him more than anything. He won't be a, like a Cooper Cronk that can just control the game. He'll need somebody there that can do it if he just can't do it. Yeah, fair point. Uh, second last name I've got for you. Phil Gould. Are you glad he's left the club? Yes and no. Because if you look at the club itself on game day and what happens at the club, he, he made a huge difference because we'd have one members function a year where they'd take out two players. Now we have four or five, the game days are so much better, and thing, but with all the drama, I'm glad it's gone, that that part of it's gone. Was, was he the egomaniac that everyone made him out to be, or? Um, yes and no. With the fans, he was always happy to talk. You ask him a question, he'd answer it for you. Um, but I'm not sure really behind the scenes what happened. I think there was definitely a personality clash there between him and the board who are very set in old ways. Fair point. Okay. And the last name I have for you, Ivan Cleary. Is he the man to take you guys 
long-awaited premiership? It's a tough one. I I can see us doing it, but I don't want to say that he's a certainty that he can. It's one of those cases where it wouldn't shock me that he's the coach, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think he'll be 100% the one that we need to do that. Just, just before we wrap up, because Terry's phone's, phone's going down. Uh, Robbo, last time we saw you, mate, Terry and I were in ecstasy as former Penrith uh, grub. I think Tyron Phillips, can't remember, scored a match-winning try for the Jets to win the New South Wales Cup Premiership. Was that your highlight of the season, or was it seeing Watson Iron person? Um, it's probably just the whole day, to be honest. Catching up, you know, catching up with you again, because um, we might as well live in different countries. Um, but yeah, it was just the whole day. I think was the highlight because Penrith really didn't give me any highlights this year. So, and with you, I've had that was a really good highlight for the footy season. Thanks, yeah, mate. That's, that's a. Dan, Tyron Phillips actually uh, passed the ball to Will Kennedy before he slapped an ass, and then uh, Kennedy scored the, the try. That's right. I remember that. Good photo. Good photo. It's <laughs> interesting to note Tyron Phillips. The Tyron Phillips actually tore his hamstring so bad that it ruptured the bottom part of the tendon in his leg. Yeah, so, um, yeah but he's, apparently he's back in Newtown next year, so that's, that's good. You'll beauty. I'm gonna high five the shit out of him when I see him next time. Yeah, look, that's true. On Snapchat, maybe. Uh, Robbo, before my phone dies, uh, what are your expectations going into 2020? Um, I think it's for us to probably be around that sixth or seventh spot again. Um, I think we need to get consistent if we want to be a top four team. We've, we've pushed, we pushed Melbourne in the first 20 minutes. Um, before the scoreline ran away from us. Um, we beat the Roosters. Even in that game we lost against the Roosters, we pushed them again for the first half, and then they took advantage. So if we can actually play 80 minutes of football, I think we can actually push these top teams with the young kids that we've got because there's some really bright sparks coming through, and I just want us to see them fire for a change. Yeah, that's fair. Sounds good. Uh, Dan, you got else? Um, I was going to make fun of something. Oh, I can't remember. So, oh, that's right, Josh. Before you go, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Sorry, we've been a bit rushed with uh, with Terry the way he is. You know, letting everyone down. Um, tell us, you got a, you got a project on? Uh, you write a bit online, a bit a bit of cricket, bit of uh, bit of footy. Tell us about that, mate. Um, yeah, so I've got my website that um, right now is bit quiet because I've had you know lots of things going on and um, my computer's getting fixed right now but um, yeah so the grandstand view I write a lot of um, mostly it's focused on women's sport um, a lot of WBBL stuff um, if I can get my computer back tomorrow if it's done um, I'll try and get previews done of that but there'll be a lot of content over the summer um, especially leading up to Women's World T20 and just events like that that probably don't get the focus as much as what everything else does. 
Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the audio. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go back to the audio. We'll play it back to you. I'll cut it. I'll tag you in it. You actually admitted Cronulla won the trade. We love you, Robbo. That's it. <laughs> He's left us. <laughs> and I, I guess we'll see you at uh, New South Wales Cup Grand Final That's next year. That's just me comment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robbo, thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next season, mate. Cheers. Yep, no worries, boys. Thanks, Thanks, mate. Beautiful.